Welcome to Well Played Podcast, a show on all things playful and joyous in education. I'm your host, Michael Matera, sixth grade teacher, author, speaker, and co-founder of emc2learning.com, the greatest community of educators around. Let's dive into today's episode. Today we have a guest with us, and I am so excited to introduce this is the first time on the show. Bryant Barker, uh, welcome to Well Played. If you could give everybody a little introduction, a little bit like, what do you do? Where do you hail from? Hey, well, it is an absolute pleasure. Like, honestly, my first podcast ever. I'm so honored to, to be on here with you. Um, I teach seventh grade English at Lincoln Junior High in Bentonville, Arkansas best school district in the entire state, if I do say so myself. Um, And I've been gamifying for, I guess, four years. I've been teaching. This is my 10th year, my sixth year in the district. And I am, uh, as as, you know, our previous conversation, starting to kind of finally hit my stride with this whole gamification thing, I feel like. So really exciting stuff. So far, the year's been great. And I am happy to be here with you today. Nice. Happy to have you. On today's episode, everybody, we are going to be discussing sort of... uh, Kind of a spin that Bryant did in his class. He took kind of an EMC2 concept, spun it, made it his own, which I got to tell you, John and I, we don't expect you to necessarily do that right out of the gate. Kind of like Brian already said, you know, like he's hitting his stride. And we love the idea, like all of our stuff is fully editable, so that someday you can actually start doing that. You start to spin it, right? That only makes you that much better. Um, it's a good jumping off point. So we're really excited to kind of highlight this this one uh, with Brian. And I think the category that you kind of used was QR break-in was kind of the, the base layer, right? And then you, yeah. you spun that. And I'm super excited. Mm-hmm. As you all are listening, whether it's on your drive, at home, whatnot, when you get to school, when you get to work, when you get back home, uh, we would absolutely love to hear from you if you want to use the hashtag wellplayedpodcast and tag me at Mr. Matera. I would love to hear your thoughts on this idea of using a QR break-in, but a little different, little spin. Uh, Brian, like, tell tell us tell us your story there. Tell us your story on maybe starting with the QR break-in. What did it end well, up going to eventually? Well, I, I was first introduced to all this stuff to your resources um, the year of the, the COVID year, right? So I guess that was the year twenty twenty. Um, I was fully virtual that year because my daughter was born in October. And so I didn't have any regular classes. I was in a different building all by myself with one other teacher all year. And I had a ton of free time. And so our, one of our curriculum specialists, she had access to some of you guys' resources with like a, like she had like an extra one for somebody. And she gave me that because she knew like I had time to kind of tinker through all of it. Mm -hmm. And so that COVID year, I spent tons of time, just kind of going through and wrapping my head around how the games worked and everything, knowing that eventually I'd be back in the classroom and I could use it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I kind of, I took the wrestling one that you guys have. I think you have one that's wrestling themed yep. because I'm a huge, huge professional wrestling fan. And I'm, a, I'm I, I have a hard time taking something from another teacher and just using it as is like I, I'm a creator. That's my favorite part of this job. Or one of my favorite parts is just getting to constantly create new experiences for the kids so I was like, I'm going to take this and I'm going to make my own version of it. And I did. And then I made a few more just kind of playing around. And then last year I tried the back to school QR break in. And that was my first attempt at anything remotely like stations or that many activities going on at one time. And it was crazy. It was chaos. Um, but I fine tuned it. 
And then I did a QR break in style thing where I was just doing the thing where you, you guys had the different badges, the different awards the kids would earn. Right? Yeah. So I made one that was werewolf themed that was called full moon frenzy. And like the kids earned like a silver bullet card, a flaming torch card and a pitchfork card until they finally took on the werewolf King. But there really still wasn't any game. There wasn't really a game there yet. They were just doing work and getting like pieces of paper with cool pictures on them. After a while, the novelty wears off with seventh graders. And so I did one more like that, which was a football-themed game. I called it the NFL Skills Challenge. It was the same thing. They won little player cards. But I could tell that they were starting to catch on. Like, I just – and I I think that's what a lot of maybe teachers do when they think of gamification is it's just like you're dressing up work. You're not really gamifying. You're just making the work seem (laughs) – you're dressing up the worksheet, which is what I was basically doing. And so I – watch one of your videos on YouTube where you had a, the kids play a game where they built a tower out of different like Jenga block type of things. You got it. And yeah. They like, Resource they rumble. Tasks, they roll the, the dice that gives them the number of blocks. So I made my first game that was a spinoff of this called tallest tower. And that was basically where they did tasks. They got spins on a, on a wheel of names, dot uh, com picker wheel that I made. They earned, number of blocks they lost blocks they got to steal blocks from other teams for a few days and then the last day it was just constantly trying to build up the tallest tower and i was running around like measuring the different towers before they'd fall until eventually time expired and we had our winner and then i was like that's how that's how this is this is going to work for me not yeah. just giving them the cool badges the the the, the work is like an incentive to play the game so if you do the work and i give them all like a one to three star scale rating Depending on how good their work is, one star means you get one spin. Three stars means you get three spins at the picker wheel for that many whatevers. And so Tallest Tower was a hit. Tallest Tower evolved into I took my daughter's little little tykes basketball goal to school, and I created a game called Baby Barks Basketball Bonanza. Exact same model. They complete tasks. They're all basketball kind of themed, but they're Englishy, obviously. Um, And they get three, one to three stars. That's how many shots, spins they get that decide how many shots they get to take. And so it was kids working their tails off so they could get as many shots with a little baby basketball at a, at a little tykes basketball goal in the library to earn as many points as possible. And I would put like, shoot from here, it's worth one. Shoot from here, it's worth double. Shoot from here, it's worth triple points, whatever. That evolved into a student strikeout extravaganza where I bought this like Velcro board that has different like games on it. And there's two baseball games. And so then that one was the same concept, only they were playing the game, getting the stars to spin to throw at the baseball board. And then this year we're here. The first game that we played is like an amalgamation of everything I learned last year. And it was called quarterback chaos. And so that there was six stations, and I love to make the station cards. I try to theme them after whatever the game is. So, like, for this one, every station was, like, a quarterback in the NFL currently that's, like, a superstar. So I had a Tom Brady station, a Josh Allen station, Patrick Mahomes. I threw Baker Mayfield in there because I'm an OU guy, and all the kids are like, what's he in here for? He does not fit with the rest of them. Nice. they like, shut up. But uh, <laughs> this one was cool. They'd play. They'd get one to three stars. They'd earn spins. But not only were they throwing it like a, a the QB board, which is the little Velcro board with the wiffle balls with the Velcro that hit the sticks whenever it hits, but there's like a spot on that board where they could make a field goal. And I was like, dang, what do I do if they hit a field goal? 
because I can't just give them three points because all the point spots are like worth 20, 40, 50, 100 points. So, and I'm, this is like sadly probably the thing I'm the most proud of so far this year was I sent for two eight and a half by 14 prints of like a football field that I had made in Google slides with like the lot of the line markers and everything. And it has like an end zone with touchdown. So I got those, I laminated them. I like taped them together. So I had this long football field looking board that I put a field goal that I bought off Amazon for $4, like a finger football flicking field goal gimmick. I put that in the thing and the each uh, line marker was worth like 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, all the way to a hundred. So they spin the wheel, they might get six throws and three field goal kicks. They spin the wheel that round, they might end up with 12 field goal kicks. Okay. They spin the wheel another round, they might get three throws. It, you never really know. Yeah. And that was, that was a hit because there was not just the one challenge, but there were like multiple physical challenges. And it was so cool because like there'd be like three or four kids like that were really good at field goal kicking and like the whole thing. And so, like, when that one kid would discover, like, holy crap, I am a master at, like, field, finger field goal kicking footballs, they'd be like, let's get field goals. And they'd get field goals. Let's let him do it. He's really good at it. And he'd line it up and he'd kick it and he'd make it and they'd all be excited. And you'd have other kids that were, like, really good at throwing. And that's the cool thing about the physical challenge is it gives every kid a chance to contribute. Because, like, some kids might do all the legwork academically and they might be the ones helping the kids that are kind of behind them understand concepts, figure things out, how to work through the, whatever the assignments are. But then there might be kids that are just ringers at the physical competition, you know? And so it gives every kid a chance to, to shine like that. So that's where we are. It, it, it was an awesome kind of journey from the very first day of school last year doing the QR break-in that you guys created and just sure. running around like a chicken with my head cut off trying to, you know, please all these masters. Because I basically just took what you guys did and just did it. Uh-huh. And I was like, I'm gonna, this is going to be crazy, but I'm going to learn something. Mm-hmm. And from there, I'm here, and I've got a, I feel like a really good handle on how this is going to drive the rest of my year. Um, it's so for those of you that haven't, I mean, like just backing up for a second, I'm so excited to hear Brian's story. Uh, QR break in, if you haven't used it, is just like a center's centers activity, right? And uh, you can have up to eight centers, you can do as low as you want, as you know, if you want two or three centers, fine. Um, they all have different themes, and football, mm-hmm. not one of them. So, do you want me to describe like what my centers were for this one, my stations? Sure. To give people uh, an idea. Yeah. So I had huge sentence pyramids. So that's something I've created where the kids were where I put each one on a different level of the pyramid because we're working on sentence construction. And so they have like a story cube. They have to write one simple sentence for the one story cube. Then they have a block of two. They write a compound. It's compound complex. Another block of two. So. Um, we can talk about that at another time, but one was like basically sentence construction with story cube sentence pyramids. There was a book at station for reviewing Greek and Latin roots. They had to crazy kingdom and everybody in the group had to say like, uh, meet so many like guests. Um, there was an IXL station where the kids all had to reach a certain score on a little theme activity since that's the focus of our quarter. There was a station where the kids listened to a song and they had to work on what we call PEA paragraphs, which is just basically make a point, provide evidence to support it, and then explain how that, uh, that evidence supports your claim in the analysis. And I gave them practice at that. 
um, and there was a station of StoryCube connections where they read a short article, rolled the StoryCubes, made connections to that article. Um, I think that, oh, and there was a one that was grammar work. I call them mug shots for mechanics usage and grammar. I got those from a lady named Laura Randazzo, amazing resource on teachers pay teachers. Um, but those are just like they had to find all the grammar mistakes before I scored their work and gave them their stars for that particular station. So all the stations are no different than what I would be doing if I was in my class with my kids, just giving them work or teaching things or, you know, making them do station rotations in my classroom. The only difference is we're in the library. They have kind of a la carte choices as to which ones they do and when. And um, there's not a whole lot of me teaching at this point. Like it's either them practicing stuff I've already taught or like with the PEAs, I hadn't taught it yet, taught it this week for the first time. So that was like my kind of chance to gauge what they knew, how well they could do. Like, for example, I found that most all of them, when they got to the analysis, they would just repeat evidence. And so this past week, that drove my instruction to where we did our first PEAs together. I would be like, I noticed a lot of you guys making this mistake last week in the game. Here's how we avoid that mistake before we go in and actually do it for a grade. So, yeah, it's just stations, just stations with a fun activity after they finish them. Um, it's That's one of the things really simple. that I love about QR Break-In is it makes stations accessible by everybody. I mean, I have to admit, yeah. uh, I didn't usually run stations because I couldn't figure out like what to do and where to put them. Oh, my gosh. Like, I'm the exact same way. I was That's like, exactly exactly the same way i'm like I, you it know stressed I, me out yeah it stresses me out i get how that would work for like a second grade teacher i have no idea how that would work in middle school and then all of a sudden like qr breaking comes in and you're like oh this makes sense like you print these off they know what to do at those stations and as you just pointed out it frees me up to now monitor help push maybe assess whatever uh, those stations and then they're buckets and yep. you can fill any bucket with what you want. So, I mean, it can be the sentence structure, right? It could be lo- looking for so many things in the reading. It could be building a Lego set based on the like reading. Like y- you can fill those buckets with whatever you want, but like it's crazy to me for anybody that's out there listening that's a middle school or high school teacher. I think we sort of left this idea of stations behind. That was a elementary thing to do, but it's like, almost i think crazier and more powerful in the middle school because holy cow like i i see 150 students or whatever and to be able to like break that down into more bite-sized things to not have it one size fits all you're going to come in my class and we're all going to look at the screen and we're all going to learn step one two and three and then we're all going to do step one two three like oh i just feel so much more empowering to be like oh our station we are doing this and like and it's ours and somebody over there is doing something else and somebody over there is doing something else like it's it's cool the choice like they get so jacked up about like let's do this one no let's do this one but this one will take longer but this one's easier and like that choice kind of drives them to do it because like i'm not telling them what to do i and that's something cool i did this time i didn't do last year before we played this time and Every game from now on, I'm going to have like some slides devoted to this before we start. But I talked about teamwork um, because you know I noticed after COVID last year, like there was just a real disconnect among the kids as far as like the way they would interact with each other was just it was all. At least for me, it seemed like it was very negative, more so than normal. And especially in these group things, when there was competition, like if one kid wasn't pulling his weight, there'd be that kid that was just very kind of cruel and you know would passive aggressively be like, "Why can't you just get finished, cheese?" So <laughs> I made so a big. True. I made a big deal about how here's what I'm looking for when it comes to teamwork. And so I five, 10 minutes, I talked about 
We are here to help each other. So what I want to see when I'm wandering around is positive collaboration. I want to see you guys lifting each other up, cheering each other on. If somebody in your team is struggling with something, you know, don't huff up and be like, I've been finished for 10 minutes and this guy, you know. Yeah, that doesn't help anybody. Seated up next to him, help him. You know, and that was something I said. I was like, everybody needs to be sitting as close to each other as you can so you can share screens and share ideas. Because that way we're not spread out all over the table where, you know, kids over there going rogue. And so what I noticed, because I had awards for this too. So like I had an MVP award. If I noticed one kid really going above and beyond to be a leader, they got paid out two bark bucks, which is like my class money system. And then I had uh, teamwork makes the dream work. And I would give sticker vouchers, two sticker vouchers to each team that I saw being collaborative, being positive, being you know happy with each other, working together. And I gave almost every team two sticker vouchers each. So I'm going to be like out of my brand new pack of 300 stickers before Christmas going at this rate. But I was so excited to see them like actually after I told them, be nice, work together, be positive. This is your chance to be a leader. So many of them did it. And and that, that really makes me happy going into the rest of the year just with that focus on classroom culture and, and the team aspect of things. Yeah, like I'm, I'm going to sort of echo what you're saying and remind everybody that this is like something you really should hear that as the EMC2 activity will like, I don't know, it'll be captivating. They'll be able to move through content like with, with the QR break-in. Like you got six, eight, whatever groups doing their thing. Uh, what you could free up then, if like the teaching's going to happen at the stations, yep. now like use that as a as a powerful sel moment and i definitely do that like sometimes i forget to tell other people like in moments like this i forget to tell people like that's a powerful piece but if you watched me in my classroom almost every day i am highlighting some sel skill and and pointing out how today's activity is going to push that and how like we need to bring that and like you Mm -hmm. have to be explicit and i couldn't agree more that post covid like we even need this even more so, right? We really need to sort of point out uh, this how groups function, how conversations happen, how you could help each other, you know. So uh, I'm so excited to hear that you have had that experience as well. Uh, and I think it's a good moment <laughs> to remind me to remind others because it is a powerful piece for sure. Uh, all right. So I have to ask you a couple weeks into the school year. Um, kind of as we wrap up this idea of using these these this QR break in as a launching point. Uh, how did your kids like it? They love it. I mean, this whole week, cause the the QB chaos thing was the first time. So I try to do a lot of our games in the library just because there's more room to like throw and to shoot and to do all the physical activities for the most part. So like this week when we got to my classroom, the first thing all of them asked were, "We're not in the library this week. When are we going to go back to the library? When are we, we going to play more games? When are we doing something else? What are we doing?" Yeah. And I have to tell him, like, it loses its luster if every single week is like a big game. Plus, I'm only one man, and there's only so much I can accomplish by myself. So we got to space them out. So they're they're stoked, and that's the that's the really cool part too. Is like when you're working on one. Like the other day, I'm working on my slides for the. Um, I'm doing one in October for Halloween, Attack of the Giant Spiders, which is going to be like risk. So they'll complete tasks. They'll earn um, This one's going to be a little different. I just got my first set of game dice ever, like D&D style dice with all the nice. different sides. 
So I've, I've written it down somewhere in a Google Keep how I'm going to do it. But essentially, they're going to do tasks to earn like rolls of the dice to, to accumulate little army men. And then I'm going to have this big table sectioned off with like a bunch of old literature books. And I got these two robot spiders off of Amazon. Like you just turn them on and they just, they just go all over the place. Kind of like what, like a cat would chase. Yeah. And so the gimmick is going to be, I'm going to section off different places on the tabletop for different points. They place their guys in these different areas to hopefully collect points. Then each round still got to figure out how the rounds are going to work. I'll go drop the spiders in and then everybody's like, Oh my gosh, Oh my gosh. And after like a certain amount of time, if your spider, if the spider knocked your guy out of that area, you don't get the points. So for each team, However many guys you have standing in those numbered areas, that's the points you accumulate. It makes more sense in my head right no, now. No, I get it. I like, I like say, it. I'm working on it, and I made the slides, and I was like, hey, you guys want to see something cool real quick? There's like five minutes before the day's over. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just swung it over onto my projector real fast and left it there for like two seconds and swung it back, back onto my screen. And they're like, whoa, whoa, was that spark? What was that? Was that spark? Was that fire? What was that? What was that? And I was like, I'll do it one more time. And then... They came in the, the next day, and they're just like, so are we playing that spider game today? And I was like, dude, that spider game is weeks away from me even being anywhere ready from starting. But I'm glad you're excited. No, so but- it's so cool that they're pumped to come to my class and just do the work. Uh, <laughs> I like your point, too, of like priming the pump a little bit, right? I think it builds anticipation. That's excellent, and that's awesome. But also, I think it also builds a little empathy for you, right? Like, Students mm-hmm. now recognize, like, I like the way you phrase it. Like, that's not, that isn't even done yet. It's not even like I'm just holding this piece of candy for you that you get to have in three weeks. It's, no, 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 like, I haven't, like, I haven't made this batch of candy good enough yet to give to you. And when I do give yeah. that to you, like, I'm excited to give it to you, right? And I don't know, like, I think letting kids in to the fact that you are constantly growing and you are pushing yourself and you are creating and you're trying new things. Uh, I really would encourage any of you out there listening to do the same, even if you're not like, so Brian is actually inventing this game. That's super cool. And that might be a little bit out for you guys, you know, if you're just getting started, <laughs> but like do that with an EMC two thing, bring it up. And like when a kid's like, Oh, that looks neat. You'd be like, yeah, I'm trying to learn this so that we could do this, you know, like, right. That is an equally empathizing statement where they'll kind of be like, Oh man, my, my teacher this together. Yeah. And my teacher's like, literally like scouring the internet to try to find the right things to bring back to us. Like that's cool. And then when they see that, they're like, Oh, that was the thing that you were like, Ooh, I yeah. am pumped. I'm ready to do there this. There were times last year where I would like make the, I was making my task cards like on the screen, like for the last few minutes of class. I remember when I was doing the uh, baby barks basket bonanza. Yeah. I would put the thing on the screen. I'd be like, which player should I do? And they'd be like, uh, and so like one kid did Russell Westbrook. And so I showed them how I go and I find a picture that I under- explain how I pick the pictures, sure. showed them how to use move.bg. I showed them the whole process of putting the task card together. And then we didn't play the game for like two more weeks, but it's just really cool. And that's the game. That, that's the stuff the kids are into is just finding cool, creative ways to tweak the stuff we're already doing. You know, like if you ask them, they have opinions on how we could do our assignments better do our procedures better and so when we let them in and let them take part in making the things just builds in more of that desire to do it which is the ultimate goal of seventh grade teachers seventh grade english teachers getting them to want to do it that's right all right we're at reflection time so let's uh let's hear this 
quote by John Cage, an American composer. I think it's going to fit what we what we talked about. Uh, you ready? Let's do it. I can't understand why people are frightened by new ideas. I'm frightened by the old ones. How's that? How's that hit That's you? Deep stuff. How's That's that deep hit? stuff? And and that kind of you know maybe if I presented that I have to do the the presentation this week for the EMC two stuff for my staff. Maybe I should use that before we get into it because you and I both know that these kids nowadays are not the same as they used to be. They need you know they need more. They need. They need a, they need new approaches. They need new tweaks. They need things to be fun. You know, it's not a bad thing. There's that sort of taboo that was going around about the whole gamification thing. You know, and it still kind of does in some circles of like we shouldn't try to dress up the learning because that's not how the real world is. But you know what? They're seventh graders. <laughs> They've been alive for like twelve years. But they have a ways to go before they get to the real world. I'm also so going to push back on that. Like I agree with you that that exists, but I'm going to push back to anybody that would say that because. Think about in the last 30 years how society has changed. And I'm not even saying about gamification, but I'm saying everything has gotten dressed up. Take That's true. When I was a kid, I'd, I'd pretty much tell you when I was a kid, coffee shops didn't really exist, at least in middle America. Like that wasn't a thing. Then maybe by the time I was like in high school, we, we had our first little coffee shop. Right, but it was like run down. It was the like college couch that like the coffee shop found. Right now, picture fast forward. We have Starbucks in every corner, and all those things are about building an experience. Right, like you come in. You know, there's the fresh roast. There's like the buy the buy buy these nice neat little cups, and they're not just thrown up there. They're like in presentable modes with like little light shining down on them. Like everything has been dressed up and now you're like, but school should still be just a worksheet and me talking to them. Like everything in our life has been dressed up. And that's, that's something that year that I was COVID, the other teacher that I was with, shout out to Craig Ford, our amazing art teacher at Lincoln junior high school. But that was something he and I talked a lot about was like, you know, if, if you give the kid like a Google slide activity or a Google doc activity, that's just disjointed and, you know, not very visually appealing, when everything else in their world is everything. visually appealing, beautiful, then they're not going to, it's, it's just kind of, there's a disconnect there. Like, it's, ugh, I just want to fix it, you know? Yep. But if you give them, a, a, and this is where like the creator in me comes out, because I actually feel like sort of my only artistic outlet is Google Slides and making cool Google Slides. But give them a pretty Google Slide. Give them something that looks like well-tailored and looks professional and, and gives them that experience like it's legit, you know, instead of just like, Here's a table on Google Docs that has a bunch of questions in black aerial font. 100% agree. Looks just like every other assignment I've ever been given ever, right? Change it up a little bit. And and, if, and that's what I'm going to tell my staff is even if you don't take gamification away from what you guys offer on EMC2, there's been so much that I've just learned how to make better Google Slides, how to make better quote-unquote worksheets, you know, how to make prettier ones, how to make ones the kids will be more engaged with. There's something there for everybody. And even if it's a little thing, one little thing now, one little thing tomorrow, next year, before you know it, you, you know, you've you made a pretty big change. Changed, yeah. Gotten better. So for me, this, uh, I can't understand why people are frightened by new ideas. I'm frightened by the old ones. Uh, I think, I don't know. I think as somebody that likes to change, likes to grow, 
I get mm-hmm. why change can be scary because it involves work. That I get. What I don't get is a resistance, like a true resistance to the new, because like we are in a constant evolution, right? We are constantly growing. And so there's this indecision that happens, right? This like, I don't know, should we, shouldn't we? Sometimes there's this false dichotomy where we hold up the current and say, the new has to be better than the current, right? And it's like, or has to have like no problems. And then that obviously is an impossibility. Everything has some problems. And then we don't do the new, but like we stop to rec- we stop recognizing the fact that the current has problems itself, right? Like, and I just think, I don't know, like, I just wish we would, as a society, be a little more willing to grow and change and not have so much like anti-intellectualism, like, it's okay to like yeah. try and learn. And it's okay that right now you don't understand and you don't get it. That's okay. Like we're not here to make fun of you for it. We're here to bring you along. Like be oh my, open, be oh open to that. My teacher Instagram yesterday, I shared a reel because I mean, I'm a big college football guy, a big Oklahoma Sooners guy, Boomer Sooner and our new coach Brent Venables. And he like talked about kind of the same thing where he said he's talking about um, to one of his running backs coaches who is like maybe not wanting to put a freshman into the game because the freshman had fumbled in the past and maybe they're going to ruin it and the other team will get the ball back and blah, blah, blah. And Venables is like, what's the worst that's going to happen? You put him in there. He's probably going to surprise you. You know, you're probably going to, he's probably going to get better. It's going to be a chance for him to maybe get out there and get some experience and learn and grow. And the worst that's going to happen is, yeah, he fumbles the ball. They pick it up. We, our defense goes out there. We stop him. We get the ball back and we try again. But if you, you know, you can, you can learn to be hesitant. You can learn to be scared. And so he was saying like, you got to convince these people that you believe in them. You know, you can do it. You can, and you got to tell yourself that. You know, especially as a teacher, it's scary because trying out new things isn't just in your, in isolation. <laughs> you got to get up there in front of like 20 kids. And if it bombs, oh, crap, how am I going to fill the next like hour that I yeah. have when this whole thing is falling apart around me? You know, you get the armpit sweats, you get like you can't see straight, everything gets blurry. Right. And it's scary. But it's like I'm starting to realize that's kind of the fun of this. Like there's no other job where that's the case, because at the end of the day, if you do bump it, the kids are back the next day and you can try again. You got you know? it. And, and that's the, that's the cool part is we just get to keep trying new stuff, keep growing. There shouldn't be any fear with that. That should be what we look forward to doing every year and every day. Couldn't agree more. Uh, thanks everyone for having fun and enjoying, uh, joining the well-played community here. Huge thanks to Bryant for coming on and being on his first ever podcast. Uh, yeah. looking, for, looking forward to having you back to discuss more throughout the year. Absolutely. Uh, once again, I'm Michael Matera, and as always, stay connected, share your ideas, and check out the latest on emc2learning.com. And join the fun as an engagement engineer. Enjoy your week and play on. <laughs>